Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. sometimes we throw words around and we sometimes even think we have understanding of certain scriptures um, if anything you know in this house that when we come to God's word don't come with a mindset come for a mindset so that you can understand what it means and the struggle that we are in against the dogmatisms of religion most of religion in Christianity is a function of basic lack of understanding basic lack of Bible scholarship influenced by the Spirit of God you know I can stand in front of you um, and I can preach you unconscious I can I can come here and lash you and you won't breathe until I'm done. You stand on your feet, you can't sit. Your seat will be so hot. The room will be so hot. And at the end of the day, you have no expository knowledge. You have excitement, most of which is not based on God's word, rightly divided. Because if you just take one verse and break it down from experience, and from syncretisms and from sensualities and excite you. And you're like, wow, he was a powerful preacher. What does being a powerful preacher mean? And so you find people who have sat under loud preaching for 20 years, 30 years. And there's a vacuum in their heart that nothing has been able to feel. I'm not saying loud preaching is bad. Because, you know, somebody can be a quiet preacher and still preach you into error. In fact, those are more deadly because they're very sweet and acceptable very meek and pious and they just take you straight into opinion but I'm given to teaching and it's something I'm not apologize for because that's what grows the believer teaching are you ready today Colossians 2 and 10 that's our, that's our scripture. And we'll unpack it as the Lord helps us. Colossians 2.10 Put it up in New King James. We'll run through a few translations and I'll get in. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are completing him who is the head of all principality and power. The word translated complete is the word peple romenoi. Peple romenoi in the Greek, of course, you know in this house. The New Testament was written primarily 
in Greek. Hence, whenever we teach, we would refer to the Greek in most instances to establish what the word originally meant and how it is used in the context of that text. Context means that you look at the text being considered. You would look at the pretext, the text immediately preceding the text being considered. In most cases, you look at the post-text, the text immediately following the text being considered. And you need to borrow from the pretext, the text, and the post-text to establish the context of that text. So a text of scripture or anything really, particularly of scripture though, cannot be said to be contextual if it has not been considered in light of what came before it and what follows after it. Make sense? Faith without works is dead. Brilliant scripture. One of the most destructive scriptures in the New Testament when considered out of context. Very dangerous. Because James will say, was Abraham not saved by works? Can faith alone save him those are inciting statements those are statements that if you took them at face value casts aspersions on the gospel of the grace of our lord jesus christ by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone save was abraham not saved by works that's blasphemy until you look at the context of salvation being considered and the context of works being considered. Does that make sense? Yeah. Context is key. And so we look at that in, in the light of this text, Colossians 2 and 10. You are completing Christ, who is the head of all principalities and powers. Give us run through a few translations. Colossians 2.10. You are completing him. TPT and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God. Pay attention to these phrases. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He's the head of every kingdom and authority. When you come to him, this is the message. That fullness, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Keep going. And in him you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he's the head of overall rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. Holman Christian Standard Bible and you have been filled by him. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. New Living Translation. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. The word complete there in the Greek is the word peplerōmenoi. Peplerōmenoi. N-O-I. You got it? It's from a root, it's a compound word. It's from a root word, plaru, 
which is from the word pleru, P-L-E, or pleru, actually, that's how it's pronounced, P-L-E-R-O-O. And pleru means to fill up to the full, to make full, hence to fulfill. That's the word translated complete, right? Pepleromenoi, from the word pleru, which means to fill up to the full, to make full, to fulfill, to perfect, to consummate. Are you listening? It also means to carry into effect, to bring to realization. It means to realize, to perform and to execute. To fill up to the full, to make full, to perfect, to consummate, to carry into effect, to bring into realization, to realize, to perform, to execute. That's what the word pleru, from which you get pleperomenoi means. From which you get the word complete or full or filled. It means to fill up to the full. I know why I'm emphasizing to fill up to the full. If this is a water bottle containing water, which means it should contain nothing else, at the time that it contains water. Make sense? So it's full, but you could say it's not filled. Pepleromenoi from Pleru would mean that this is filled to the brim and there is no space to add anything else. And now this water could probably be distilled. So, so let's, let's assume we're working with distilled water. Pure. It means that for this thing to be filled, it will have to be filled with the exact same substance, top to bottom. So introducing another substance into this bottle, even at this quantity, doesn't make it full. So, so being full is not just in volume, it is in substance. You can't call this a bottle, a water bottle full of water, if I take Dallas's drink and put just two CL of it. Well, adulterate this, and it cannot be said to be a water, a bottle full of water, even if it is full. Because the composition has been altered. So for something to be full of something, it means it is the only thing that fills it up, one. And two, it fills it up such that there is even no space for an additive. Even if you wanted to contaminate it, it is so full of what it should be full of that there's no space to introduce another matter that is different. That's the word pleru. Pleromenoi. You are complete. It's not just the natural English understanding of completion. You are complete. Let me show you a few examples of that word. Pleru. Plepenomenoi. Matthew 122. Fulfill. Perfect. Consummate. Carry into effect. Bring to realization. To realize. To perform. To execute. Matthew 122. You see that. It starts by saying. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled. All of what was done. We need to understand what all of this that was done is to fully appreciate what this verse is saying. So normally, even though I need verse 22, I will back up to where this thought begins to establish the context. 
So go back to maybe probably verse 20. This is the angel speaking. While he thought about these things, that's Joseph. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Ha. <laughs> Joe, eh? We need to talk. Okay. I'm pregnant. How can blood of Jesus? Who is responsible? That's the problem. What do you mean? You will not understand. I love you. I can take it. You will not understand. Who is, is it the guy that was looking at you in the farm the other day? No, it's not him. Is it the other person that came to ask your hand from your father? Your father said no. No, it's not him. Who is it now? Do you like him? I, 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 I can't even say if it's somebody I should like or not like. Okay, Mary, we're not getting anywhere with this conversation. It would be helpful at this point if you could at least volunteer the name of the person as responsible for your pregnancy, let's even know what to do, says the Holy Spirit. Holy what? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, oh, the Holy Spirit is helping to say the truth. No, the Holy Spirit is the one <laughs> that is responsible for my pregnancy. You can understand why he had to take an angel to appear to Joseph. Yes, yes. This is not the realm of flesh and blood. <laughs> It took divine, divine intervention. <laughs> yeah. So he says, take her because what she's conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, this, don't be afraid to take her. She's conceived of the Holy Spirit. Was done. Do you understand it now? But if you write just 22, you will not understand the context because you have not paid attention to the pretext. Okay? So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold the virgin. Because Isaiah prophesied this. The virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And I don't want to go into this, but this is how you will understand God's beef with Israel because Israel had no reason to have missed Jesus. There's no reason. A virgin will conceive. It was in your Torah. It happened. You missed it. He will come riding a donkey's donkey. It was in your Torah. He came on a donkey. You missed it. He'll be lonely and mangled. And have a lowly birth. He came. You missed it. He'll be hung on a tree. Vernica will be offered to him in his thirst. It all happened to Jesus. You missed it. It's a problem that only God and Israel will sort out. They were not included in that problem. Because there are areas where Israel and the church are type and anti-type. There, there are times where they are not. God's agenda for nation Israel is different from God's agenda for the church. Even though at one point or the other, the church, Israel, was a type of the church. Or the type is not. Just like every type of Christ was flawed, only Christ was flawless. Because they are all types. Shadows. So you see in 1 and 22 of Matthew, that all this was done, that it may be pleru. 
fulfilled. That it may be realized. That everything God said about this thing to the T will be actualized. That everything about God's intention for this virgin birth will be completed as was spoken by the Lord. Does that make sense? So Mary giving birth, Mary giving birth before Joseph had the opportunity to make his mark. No human being being responsible for Mary's conception were all elements that filled up God's prophecy being brought to pass such that nothing was left that could be added. Are you following? And see chapter 2, Matthew 2 and 15. I'm just giving you a few examples of Peru. Matthew 2.15. Are you in Christ's experience? Matthew 2.15 and was there until the death of Herod. Again, the pretext of this is them having run to Egypt. Yeah? With the infant Jesus. Yeah? When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Young child, by the way. Not infant. Not fresh born. Not new baby. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, as in Micah, I called my son. It was Micah that, that gave that prophecy. Out of Egypt, if I remember correctly, I called my son. But if he's in Bethlehem or Nazareth, even though the virgin had given birth to him, and that one was complete or fulfilled, an element of it will be missing that cannot be said to be fulfilled or filled in full because now we are supposed to see that the furthering of this thing is supposed to be happening in Egypt but is happening instead in Bethlehem. Hosea rather 11 and 1. It's the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So, everything about sending this child to Egypt, not just any, because Egypt was not the only potential refuge place that Joseph and his family could have gone. They could have gone to Lebanon, they could have gone to Iran, they could have gone across to Jordan. In fact, Jordan was much closer no, go to Egypt. There's something that must be filled in full. Such that you will not say there was something that was skipped. So to Egypt, he must go. Are you following this? A few more examples. Matthew 5 and 17. Popular one that we know properly. Matthew 5 and 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to pleru. What would this mean? Pleru here, fulfill. You know, it's sad, it's really sad how religion and mixtures use this to argue that the law is still in force. If you fulfill it and it is filled in full, I can see water bottles there. Is it obvious that it's full? Yeah. Try some more. Is that full? Yeah. Not even space for air. 
I did not come to abolish the law, to empty it and make it of no effect. I came to give the law every single drop of what the law requires such that by the time I have satisfied the law, even the law has no space to require that Melody or Delight or Jennifer would have to bring their own drop of any kind of works to add into what I have pepleromenoi. So, if Jesus came to fill the law in full and has filled it, what are you doing holding up the water bottle of the law for me to add something into? Not only am I not interested in doing the works of the law, let us even assume, okay, you know what, for sake of argument, I want to do the law. She, she is law. Okay, stop fighting me. I will do the law. Give me the law bottle to add my beat into. Unfortunately, even the law cannot accept my works. <laughs> Even if I want to help the law to look like it is a valid minister, the law itself does not have capacity to receive the works I agree I'm willing to do. Because the law is so full, so realized. The law wanted a man, we gave it a man that passed his power. We give it a man that the law could not comprehend. So yes, I want to do the law. Say, you want me to do the law? This is why scripture in Hebrews 6 calls it dead works. Is even if works were going to amount to something, you have now done the works, but unfortunately, even the works you do, do not count for anything. The works are dead on arrival because your works are not going to make it into this container. So your works are dead because your works don't count. There's no space for your works to enter the container of the law that Jesus has filled to the full with everything the law required of man. He completed it. And if he has given the law all that the law requires, what is the law still doing there? If it's fulfilled, it means it's filled in full. You think he would just he just felt like sounding deep when he said Tetelestai. He just felt like saying something profound. You know, Jesus has to sound deep as per son of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Son of God cannot sound, cannot fall God's hand. 
So let me find something deep to say it is finished. What does that mean? Especially if it's not finished. So I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. To fill it in full. He didn't say I came to worship it. I came to complete it. That's the word play rule. Are you here? You see the next text. We even show you that better. Matthew 13 and 48. Complete. Matthew 13, 48. This is the context of the, the miracle of fish. <laughs> Pick the thought up a couple of verses back. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a matron seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet, fishing net, that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, 48, which when the dragnet was full, pleru. What does pleru mean in that context? Dragnet was such that no more of any kind could go into that dragnet. The only natural thing to do at that point to the dragnet was to bring it to shore. Nothing else can go into it. Not an extra fish, not an extra finger of fish could go into that dragnet. So pull it out. Does that make sense? Pay attention to this concept for where we're going. Acts 15 and, th and 52. Acts 13 rather. And 52. Acts 13 52. 13 52. And the disciples were pleru with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you go back to joy consciousness and you see how you don't get a day off. So, so here's a definition, a working definition for to be complete. To be complete means to be full with every available space taken up. To be full with every available space taken up as a result of the realization of a purpose that has been carried out or executed as intended. The end of which or the result of which leaves you lacking nothing at all that you were intended to have. Colossians 2, 10, you are complete. To be complete means to be full. With every available space taken up, every available space taken up, as a result of the realization, which is what the word play rule means, to realize something, to complete something, to achieve something, right? So, it's, so for me, this definition was a word play from everything play rule means. To be complete means to be full with every available space taken up, as a result of the realization of a purpose that has been carried out or executed as intended, the result of which leaves you lacking nothing at all that you were intended to have. So if you are complete, two things are highlighted. One, nothing can be added because there's no space. Because, number two, because nothing can be added since there's no space, it means everything you need, you have. Which consequently means you lack nothing. Because you don't have the ability to lack anything 
because you are play rude, you are complete, you are filled to the brim with every available space added as a result of the realization of somebody's purpose as intended, which means you are left lacking nothing. Does that, does that make sense? And that's great news. I'm complete. I'm deliberately leaving out the other words. I, I'm complete. What does that mean? If it is meaning that a purpose has been realized, then we need to find out what that purpose is, or who that purpose is, who facilitates that completion, the agency for that completion. That's why these two words, which perhaps are my favorite comp combination of words in the entire scriptures. And I've sat down, I've, I've done this study long time ago. I've been mentioning it, I've been teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. I am yet to find any other combination of Bible words in the scriptures that excites me more than the combination of these two words in Christ. In Christ. Sometimes you see, in Christ Jesus. By the time you want to look at the other words that excite you, you find that they are in the sentence of in Christ. God was, you have to stop. In Christ. I mean, new creation, if any man be. So the other things that would excite you are a spillover of the excitement that are the combination of these words in. I don't think there's any combination of words in the entire scriptures that carry as much meaning. Paul says now, yeah, you understand what it means to be complete. It then tells you that completeness is in Christ. Wow. The, I am complete in Christ. In Christ, I am full of everything God intended for me to have and there's no space for anything else regardless of who's adding it. So now that we're applying pleru to Christ's work in your life, it means that what Christ now has done for you, even you can do nothing about it. That's why the songwriter was saying what he did, nothing can undo undo doesn't necessarily mean only mean to turn away from or to reduce it also means to alter and to alter will mean to introduce a different property to what jesus did and this thing that jesus did does, itself does not have the capacity when jesus happens upon a thing there's no space for anything else He happened to the Lord. The Lord can take no more. So he happened to your salvation. And your salvation can take more. In other words, he finished your salvation. And there's just that little bit that you need to do to complete it. You need to partner with God. You heard that phrase before? You need to partner with God. God has done his part. You need to do your part. Faith without works is dead. Yes. That's why we're not introduced that scripture. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So introduce that scripture. Yes. Scriptures totally 
misunderstood in terms of context. But if when Jesus happened to the law, this is what happened. When he steps in to take away your sins, it cannot be that this is what happened. Uh, except they switched Jesus's. But if this is what happened when the law was dealt with, and then when sin and death were dealt with, it had to have been. If that's the case, then we must understand in Christ properly to appreciate what it means to be complete in him. Let's take a journey. Romans 3.23. You see redemption. Complete, 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 complete. Romans 8.32 says, If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how shall he not along with him, along with him, along with him, freely give us So let's look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. Yeah, I know why I shouted it. Brethren! The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that oh! They'll pause for effect. Because by the time they add have sinned, you have already judged yourself. Come on, talk to me. Don't look at me funny. Yeah, yeah. You've already judged yourself. So, oh! They're like, ha! Hey, that scripture has caught me today. Yes, it's true. We are all sinners saved by grace. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Excuse me. Comma. Since we are shouting, a comma means that what statement is being made is not yet pleru. Therefore, to appreciate the fullness of the statement, you must ignore the comma and continue. How is all have seen and fall short of glory of God. How is it a stand-alone statement? You can't ignore what comes next. That's not a full statement. That is you being very mischievous. That's you being very mischievous. You can't ignore what follows. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, not the glory of God. Go back. That's, it's basic syntax. Basic syntax in English. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not of the glory of God. All have sinned, let's continue, and fall short of the glory of God. Through the that is in that is where the meat of what we are trying to tell you begins. Even that is not stopped. So go back again to 23. It's, a, it's one of the longest statements in the New Testament. Go back. One of the longest sentences. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely. Hey. 
So if you, were, if you heard, for all I've seen, for sure, glory to God, and you start to cry, it's because we didn't give you the complete matter. But the completeness, the pleru of it is good news. Let's try again. Again, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through redemption. Oh, that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent forth as propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His because in His forbearance. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one in Jesus full stop. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely through by His grace, through redemption that is in. So where is redemption? So if you are complete in Christ, and redemption is in Christ, what does it mean? Yes, you are redeemed. Yes. To what measure? So if you have received redemption in Christ, how do we know? First Corinthians 1.30 But of him you are In him you are where? Of him you are where? Who became for us Became for us Wisdom and righteousness. And this one. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely through the grace which is in the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I am complete in Christ Jesus. It means I have every jot of redemption that Jesus is capable of generating. Every redemption that Jesus can generate, I have in him. That's complete. We have seen redemption in Christ. How about being made alive in Christ or having life in Christ? Romans 6 and 11. Romans 6 and 11. After today, those words will excite you like it excites me. In Christ. Likewise, you also... Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. So if you are dead to sin, which you are, all have sinned, fallen short, being justified. then you are alive to God in Christ. In other words, if you are in Christ, you are alive to God. God is not looking for you to be alive to him. Because God is dealing with in Christ. You are in Christ. You, you're, in, you're in Christ. You are alive. 
Because he is the life. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am, and... It's because he is life that he is come. That they might have life. I am come. I give to them eternal life. John 10. They shall not perish. Why? He is life. That's why he is come that you might have life. That's why he says he who hath the son hath life. He who hath not, oh, King James is nice in these things. And he who hath not the son hath. Because the son is life. First John 5 says, this is the one true God and eternal life. I write to you little children that you may know that you have eternal life. How do you have eternal life? Because you have Christ who is life. So God is looking for in Christ. The moment you are in Christ, life. Life. See Romans 8 and 2. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, in, 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 in Christ Jesus. I'm coming to that. But verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of... For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Life in Christ Jesus. Life is in Christ Jesus. So that's why he would say, I am come, John 10.10. 10, that they may have life. But not just life. So this, this same substance. What is in this bottle? AKA life. Is there life in this bottle? Yes. Is the life good life? Yes. Yeah, he just drank it. So technically, if he drank it, it's drinkable. Yeah? It's edible water. But you see, in a short while, this guy is about to run out. Because unfortunately, as far as this water bottle is concerned, the life in here is not in abundance. And that's why you too, when you're drinking your drink, you drink it very, very fast until it's starting to run out. Then you start to slow down how you're drinking it. Just like you use your phone when it's fully charged, you run it to 20%. Talk to me now. By the time your phone gets to 20% and the time they usually bring lights, they have not bring it. Ha! You will dim your screen, you will off your data, you will remove your vibrate. The only thing you don't remove is the processor of the phone. You enter ultra low power saving mode and then you used 100 to 80 20% in 3 hours. You stretch 20% for one day. Please, who knows what I'm talking about? Your phone all of a sudden, you receive the ministry of self-discipline. And you start to micromanage the power of your phone. And it's a miracle how a phone goes from 100 to 20 in 4-5 hours and takes 24 hours from 20 to die. So by the time your phone finally dies, if you are honest with yourself, you are not angry. 
you literally feel like hugging your phone and saying, you have fought the fight. You have run the race. <laughs> your phone has tried. You're upset that you might miss a call or not reply a chat, chat or finish a, a chat or finish a reply a text, but you know. You know. Phone has run a good race. It ended gallantly because it's not in abundance. But on the same phone, imagine you are plugged to a 2 kVA solar system. No, I'm not talking power bank that is 21 milliamp hours. You're plugged to a 2 kVA solar system that is just for your phone to have power. Your dynamics are different. Your dynamics are different. Everything's on full blast. You get a photo. If you're like me, I mean, ideally, if you're into photography or anything, or get an audio, get a, a, a photo or a video, ideally, you should crank your screen up to max brightness so you can appreciate color and appreciate saturation and all that. Because you, you, you must be careful what you see. Imagine just being on full brightness or full blast. You just, because you know that your power source is not going to run dry. I am come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not life you have to top up. Not life, you have to be careful how you spend. Because the life I now live in the flesh, Galatians 2.20, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That Son of God. Life. Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So complete in Christ, who is life? Colossians 3 3. Thank you, Spirit of God. If I start from verse 1, start from verse 1. Colossians 3 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. 3. For you died, you died, you died. And your life, your life after you died, is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ. Not just when Christ who gives us life. He's the life he's giving us. When Christ who is our life appears. Our life. So complete in Christ and Christ is our life and you have life in him. Means this is the kind of life you have. Play rule life. Play rule, play rule, play rule life. Life. Into, in abundance, life to the full. Life that cannot be corrupted. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 15, 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Are you getting this? I am complete in Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wrote a creed. I wrote a confession of completion. We'll go through it at the end of this. Short creed, confession, my confession of completion. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so, in Christ, all. Ooh. Now we come to Romans 8 and 1. We're looking at in Christ, right? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are Christ Jesus. So, in, where's the no condemnation zone? In Christ Jesus now. Is it 8.31 or 33? Who is he? Who can lay charge? 33. Romans 8.33. Who can lay charge against God's elect? It is God that justifies. Romans 14.4. 4. 
Who had thou to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand. Because God is able to make him stand. Where is the man standing? In Christ. And in Christ is where a no condemnation zone. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in. So what's the way out of condemnation? In Christ. Because God did not send his son, John 3, 17, into the world, I think, into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him. Let me see. Look at that. Everybody knows John 3, 16. Hardly anyone knows John 3, 17. So God did not send him. So there's no condemnation around here. No accusation around here. That's a satanic ministry. Accusation. I've taught you. It's a satanic ministry. Satanos. Accuser of the brethren. Not, not God. Not God. Definitely not to those who are in Christ. They say no condemnation. And again, I showed you, if they say there's no condemnation, it means there can be no exceptions to your no condemnation. Play room. No condemnation. Can we proceed? Romans 12 and 5, you see our one body, church consciousness, is in Christ. Romans 12 and 5. So we, being many, are one body and individually members of one another. But we are one body. It's, it's, Christ is our melting pot. Yes. This civilization, this civilization, he's the melting pot of this civilization. Yes. We are one body in Christ. So once we are in Christ, we are with one another perpetually. The only criteria for you and I to be brethren is for you and I to be in Christ. The moment you and I are found in Christ, and especially planted in the same local church, we are brethren. I don't have to like your temperament. I don't have to try to change it. You don't have to like my temperament. You don't have to try to change it. And this flash, in Christ. So we're brethren and then individually members of one another. That's powerful. We're members of the body of Christ and then we're members of one another. We're members of the body of Christ. So as a body, we are connected to Christ. But individually, we are connected to each other. So I keep telling you, be careful how you treat me. You can't treat me anyhow. You treat me anyhow, you will hurt yourself. You go, you go wound. You hurt yourself. You know, and, and, and that's, how, that's what happens actually in the body. When you, have you realized that when you hurt somebody, if you're honest, you wounded yourself. When you destroyed something, part of you dies. Oh yes. People in their pride and ego will not admit it. But when you cause confusion and cause pain and anarchy, there's an emptiness that bring, comes up inside you because you disconnected something but didn't realize that by disconnecting something, you disconnected yourself from something. Because we are members of one another and we are one body in 
1 Corinthians 1 and 2. I mean, and this is not exhaustive. I'm just going through to show you in Christ. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 2. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified. Remember 1 Corinthians 1 30? Became for us sanctification. Called to be saints. So where is the repository of our sanctification? You know, see, this, 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 this in Christ, your salvation in Christ is not what you should mess with. Because you're toying with your completion. And if you're not conscious of your completion, if you are not conscious of your completion, no matter how great it is, stuff is going to happen. That no matter how little and subtle alters the properties of what you have in Christ. That's all I'm trying to show you today. You see this little margin. All of false prophecy and all of error it requires this margin to operate. It is the presence of the imagine that makes it appear as though what Jesus did has space. It is the presence of that space that fuels the ills of religion. So if you think that we are just trying to excite you, sit down, cross your legs, enjoy yourself. But understand that you are prime target for where we're going with this teaching. And then you understand why Paul took time to say you are complete in Christ. He didn't say it in a vacuum. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. You are sanctified in Christ. That means you have complete sanctification. The reason why you are struggling with it is because it is true. It is true because you had nothing to do with it. And that makes you uncomfortable. Most times you stop someone for your ride. Boldly. You stop, you enter. Somebody stops to give you a ride, you're like, uh-uh. What do you want? But it's the same you that will stop any random car to ask for a ride where you're walking. And somebody flags down and says, you know, where can I drop you? Like, ah. What do you want? Point is, whatever you, you didn't do anything to merit, you suspect. Somebody gives you something, you suspect it. What does he want? He wants something, you ask for it. So, have you noticed that you had a good relationship with someone until they offered you something? The moment they offered you something, they went from being a benefactor to being a suspect. From that day forward, you start to be careful. Give me a phone. He gave me a book. Bought me shoes. Has dropped me four times now. It's going somewhere. She has hugged me 16 times now this month. Ha! And, then, and then out of those 16 times, nine times she jumped on me like she had not seen me in five years. Hey, 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 Titus. To the pure. So you understand this concerning natural things and you don't understand it concerning spiritual things. The reason why you're suspecting your sanctification is because you had nothing to do with it. That is why this is laid on, taken hold of by faith. 
only faith can handle the ridiculousness of salvation. You have to believe it is what it is, even if you can't feel that it is what it is. It's not a sensation. So it's laid on, laid hold of by faith. Are you here? First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.4 Sanctification. Made holy. How about grace? I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by other translations say in Christ Jesus. Can I see the NLT? Maybe the NLT? I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gift he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. The grace which is in Christ Jesus. Where is grace found? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.21 2 Corinthians 1.21 Now it is God himself. I love this one. Give it New King James. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ. So where are we established? You say, you know, all, I've been in this establishment for nine years. Who is your establishment? In all my years in this establishment, this is your, all your eternity. You will spend it in the establishment. That is Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that Christ was established to be your establishment? So that in him you are. This is my establishment. I'm established in him. I signed up for this establishment for eternity. Now if he's my establishment and I'm established in him. Am I lacking in establishment? Do I need to be looking for a human to establish me? Will I have self-esteem and acceptance issues? Because together we are established in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 I love this one. Now thanks be to God. Who always leads off in triumph in Christ. Where is our triumph located? With him we can't lose. We always win. He's our champion. We can't lose. Because he's never lost a battle. Who are you, great mountain, that you should not bow, Lord? Jesus, Jesus. And so you are guaranteed triumph in. Guaranteed. It means there is no exception. There is nothing that I come upon in life that has the capacity to defeat me. The end of every storm is I win. Every storm ends in my favor. Every fight you come upon in life is a fixed fight. Bet on it. The triumph you have, there is no 
contingency that is not prepared for. And do, you, do you understand what I just said? A contingency is a, a buffer that is laid aside for what we can't expect. But you see, with your champion, the unexpected is not just expected. The unexpected is preordained and pre-won. So it's only to you that it is unexpected. It's only to you. So what you're calling a contingency, what you're calling mesalenos, what you're calling an emergency, what you're calling unplanned, is in the plan. The most beautiful times to trust God is when you can't see where you're going. It saddens me that God is the one we struggle to trust. Because every time I fly, especially long-haul flights, I think about trusting the Lord. There's only one time I've seen a pilot. But I've flown hundreds of times. I have not seen a pilot, let alone have the privilege to ask him for his aviation license. Are you qualified with your degree in aviation? Is it 2-1 you got or 4th class? Did you even really, truly, truly, truly go to aviation school? Or did you just buy the certificate? And you enter a plane, just fly. Road here to Uyo, you have never asked the driver to show his driver's license. Until he gets to God. He's the one you can't trust. The maker of the universe. Is the one that must prove every credential before you believe he can help you. He must show you his license. He must show you his medical practitioner certificate. He must show you his health and safety certificate. He must show you he's able to deliver you from fire because he must have a fire service certificate. God is the one who is always on the witness stand waiting for believers to prove him. And then you're a believer. God has to always prove himself. It's not enough that he saved you. It's not enough that he created you even. He has to save you. But triumph in Christ means that there is not a situation that could arise that is beyond his capacity. You must believe that. You must believe that. You must. You must believe that. You must believe that he is able. You must. And you must believe that unconditionally. Stop attaching conditions if you are God. Have you told the driver if you are, if you are a driver? Tell the pilot if you are a pilot. You are in the air and then there's turbulence. And you see people. In turbulence in the air, there's only one God that they pray to. The God of the Christians. Oh yes. Oh yes. Only, only one God. Because the other guys, our guys up north, they hardly pray to avert anything. They believe that their God does not avert anything. So you'll not find them praying to turn around situations. That's how complete their trust of their God is. Believes that whatever is happening to him is preordained by God to happen to him that way. And they will embrace death if that's what it means. Because it's God's will. 
They will embrace misfortune. It's God's will. The only people praying to change their name and write their destiny. Change your name. Rewrite your story. And write what there. You who are not a people have become a people. And you're asking him to rewrite the story. And write what? Change your destiny. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Predestined you. And you should change the destiny he predestined for you. Show me any other place where destiny is mentioned. That predestination for election is not the subject. Destiny in scriptures, predestination for election, for salvation. Not to prosper you. Jabez, I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. Because Jabez is part of the people that are trying to force into a fulfilled law. What there's no space for. You must trust that he's able to deliver. I mean, while, while we are in Jabez territory, let's look at alternate realities in the Old Testament. See, our God is able to deliver us. Remember those three boys? Hananiah, Mishael, and Ahazareth. Sorry, Shadrach, Mishael, Babylonian names. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to. Come on. We by ourselves with what we know of God. Even if God does not respond. Are too big to bow to you. Just with our sense of awareness in God. God choosing to not come. is not enough reason. For us to bow to you. Man. So I've, I've taught this before years ago. The fourth man did not appear because they believed he could. The fourth man appeared because they were convinced of him even if he didn't. I repeat, the fourth man did not appear in the fire because they believed he could deliver them. He appeared in the fire because he saw faith in people that believed in him even if he does not show up in the fire. Hey, if you were God, if you were the one in God's shoes, in the son's shoes, you show up. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, O king, in other words, with all due respect, <laughs> O king, even if he chooses to not deliver us, we will not bow. The fourth man had to come. He didn't come in, res in response to faith for deliverance. He came in response to persuasion. It was persuasion that drew a son that hadn't yet manifested in time. Son of God without body. Let me, let me rephrase. Son of God before body. Pre-incarnate son. No, 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 I know that I know that I'm supposed to show up finally as being born through Mary. But this I gotta show up. I gotta show up. I know I'm a, I'm a few thousand years ahead of being born of Mary, 
But this, I gotta do this myself. Saint Joel, this ain't no angel business. Did, did, did we not throw three men bound into this fire that was hit or heated seven times, such that the man that went to heat it did not come back from hitting it? And this, this was not people asking the king. It was the king asking a rhetorical question. Rhetorical. Did we not throw three men bound into the fire? Yeah, they all answered. They all, oh, yeah, yes, we did. So, how come I see the three men lose walking in the fire? And I see a fourth one. And that fourth one looks like the Son of God. How he knew is how a donkey spoke. How he knew is how a bush was burning and did not burn. That's how he knew. It's the fourth one, Son of God. Brought them out, and scripture says they didn't even smell like fire. Not a hair was singed. Not a hair was singed. That's persuasion. Daniel is there chilling. Darius comes and shouts in the morning Daniel has your God delivered you from the lions. Same lion scripture says in Daniel when they threw the king's advisors said they did not get to the bottom. <laughs> so clearly, it wasn't for lack of hunger that they did not eat Daniel. It wasn't like they, were, they had just been fed two rams. You know, and Daniel was very skinny. So it was like, oh, no, they were, they, they, the lions were not hungry. They just had two rams. So what is the Daniel to a lion that has just had two rams? Don't worry. No, they were hungry. They, were, they ravaged the whole families that were thrown in there. The man had persuasion. He knows that I can't lose. I can't lose. I can't lose. I'm too much of a victor to lose. You know, failure starts from entertaining it. Yeah, the first step to fail successfully is to entertain the prospect of failing. You can't fail. If you haven't entertained the prospect of failure, you can't. Where is failure coming from? There's no space for failure. There's no room for failure. There's not a single thing that God proposed for Jesus to do that he failed at. Otherwise, he would have simply said he came in the book, not in the volume. He didn't say, I came in the book. Came in the volume, the fullness of everything the book said I would do. I fulfilled. I didn't just come as it was written, I came in the fullness of what was written. That's why Matthew was always in a hurry to say that it might be fulfilled what was written. I came in the volume. Volume. That's how water in this container is measured. Volume, the volume of water, not decibels. Volume is not audio, not I came in the loudness of the book. No, I came in the measure, the volume. I came in the fullness of what was written to do your will, O oh God. So if he fulfilled the entire book according to the entire volume, where are you learning failure from? Where are you excusing failure from? Except if you let somebody 
successfully convinced you that it came from your father's house. It came from your village. Then all of a sudden, something that is totally alien to you becomes possible. Because you left space that something else could occupy its volume. So now you are full but with adulterated substances. Yes, there's, there's redemption in Christ. There's sanctification. There's life. There's grace. There's one body. There's trust. Plus, in, in addition to fear now. That's why a believer can be depressed now. That's why a believer can have anger issues now. A believer can be dealing with the complex now. Because you didn't believe that you were full enough. So you left a little room. And nobody, your position is never looking for much. Just looking for the part where you don't believe is complete. It has to start with a prospect. You have to entertain that it's possible to fail. How come Jesus' limitations didn't stop him? They, every turn, they will remind him, ah, ah, carpenter's son. Every time, Nazareth, what good can come from there? Every time he goes to his own, they received him not. He went to a place, he couldn't do anything except heal a few sick because, and we don't see any record of Jesus' ancestry stopping him. We don't see any record of Jesus' generational limitations stopping him. His father was called a carpenter. He was called a carpenter. Died on the carpentry and fulfilled his purpose. It's not coincidental that he died on his own workmanship. Because he came to work We are his workmanship. He came to work. He came to work the works of his father. He came as a carpenter and he died on his workmanship because he was doing his work. What was his work? Building his father a house. So he he is quintessentially a carpenter. Quintessentially. Carpenter. Built his father's house. Using wood. On the tree. I go to prepare. A place for you. He was going to die. I wasn't going to heaven. He was going to die on the cross. He was going to the cross. I go to prepare a place for you. He was going to the cross. And his ancestry didn't stop. Jesus didn't pause to change his history and uproot household wickedness. Because to save the world, nobody in his father or mother's line has ever done it before. So how come suddenly in your life there's space to be stopped? You have to be careful what you believe. 2 Corinthians 3.14 so if you don't understand what's going on, 2 Corinthians 3, 14 will help you. But their minds were blinded for until this day. The same veil remains. Unlifted. 
The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away. Read that Old Testament all you want. Read the Bible all you want. There's a veil. And in Jesus' name, doesn't remove the veil. In a much less precious mighty name of Jesus, doesn't remove the veil. The veil is taken away in Christ. You must enter Christ to escape the veil. I will show you if I can get there today. That the entering of the veil Entering of Christ. Entering of the veil. Because Hebrews says. That he has gone. Torn the veil. That is his flesh. Because when the veil is torn away. And you look at the Old Testament. Besides or apart from the veil. All you will see. Is Christ. For Moses wrote of me. They read Moses. They can't see me because there's a veil. The moment you are in Christ, the veil is taken away. You can see what Moses wrote, which is me. You know, the, one of the worst things... Ah, wait. One, of the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the worst things you can do by believing the law in the era of grace, you are elevating the servant above the son. You are... You are elevating a servant above the sun. What you are telling me is that me and our nanny are the same. Telling me that. So because the nanny was enjoying the house and eating well before the first son was born. Now the son has been born. You're telling me, my son, behave yourself. The nanny is still as relevant as you. In fact, the nanny can just grab the son and beat the son. And when the parent comes back, say, yeah, he was out of line. So, you know, around, I helped you to discipline him. To believe law in the era of grace is to champion an equality of the servant and the son. I'll show you. I'll show you. It's clear in scripture. Where Jesus is being talked of as the son, Moses was referred to as the servant. Moses, the law. Moses was standing there in Matthew 17 when God said, my son. Moses didn't argue. Moses honored the son. The small forward motion revelation of the son he saw. He honored it, covered his face like, ah, could I not see more? Can I not have the pleru of this? He said, I would die and not have the pleru of this thing. So he came down, covered his face. What he could not see in full has come and is fulfilled. But then religious Christians lift up Moses. And lift up Jesus. Hold up the servant. Hold up the son. And call it balance. Balance. The servant. Let me show you a few more in Christ. I can't take all of them. There's a lot. Show you a few more. Galatians 2 4. So many. I'll probably do another teaching in Christ. 
I just need to qualify complete in Christ. So you can understand what the completion is. That's all. Galatians 2, 4. And these are called because of false brethren. Secretly brought in. Who came by stealth. To spy out our liberty which we have in Christ. So we have what in Christ? I can go on. There's new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 God reconciling the world in Christ. Liberty in Christ. We're justified by faith which is in Christ. Galatians 2.16 We are all sons of God through faith in Christ. Galatians 3.26 We are all one in Christ. Galatians 3.28 Faith is walking through love in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5 and 6 We have every spiritual blessing in heavenlies in Christ. Ephesians 1 and 3 we are chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4. We are predestined to adoption as sons in Christ, Ephesians 1.5. Can you see how many things, minus the ones I have skipped, that you have in Christ? See why it says you are complete in Christ. Now go back to Colossians 2.10. That's our scripture. <laughs> and you are complete in him. What does that mean from the definition I gave you? Now, adding in Christ to the definition means you are full. With every available space taken up. As a result of the realization of the purpose of God that has been carried out or executed in Christ as he intended. The end of which leaves you lacking nothing at all that you were intended to have. That's great news. Yeah. And let's unpack this quickly. John 1.16. So just take that initial in definition of completeness. The purpose now is God's purpose. Where is the purpose fulfilled? In Christ. John 1.16. And of his fullness, pleromatos from the word pleru. Of his fullness. What is his fullness? Only Jesus. Redemption. Justification. Healing. Deliverance. Liberty. Predestination. Adoption. Sanctification. Oneness. Unity. New creation. Sonship. Seal. Preservation. Everything we have seen that happens in Christ is what John refers to here as his fullness. Or his completeness. In other words, Jesus is not a package you receive and look for something to add. It's not. It's not. Screen guard included. Wireless Bluetooth headphones included. Wired for when you don't feel like you need the wireless included. Fast charging included. All that you need for life and godliness. You don't receive Jesus and look for what to complement him. You don't receive for Jesus and look for what to complement him. It is not Jesus and. It's not Jesus plus. Sola Christos. Christ alone. 
Christ alone. He doesn't need no supporting. He doesn't need balancing. So it's you that will balance him. Wow. You balance Jesus. That died for you while you were yet a sinner. Now you are saved. You are the one that will now balance your savior. Because he was stupid when he gave you unmerited favor. Grace. The unmerited favor. Now you can look at it and point it in the eye and call it hyper grace. When he was saving you, what was it? When he was saving you, it was normal grace. Now to save you to the altermost. Became hyper. (laughs) We are complete in him. We lack nothing. Of his fullness. Room, we have Lambano received. That's the word. That's the word in John 1 16. Of his pleromatos, his fullness, we have all Lambano taking hold of aggressively in such a way that it cannot be taken from us. Received here is not just to collect. Most times you think of receive as something you collected. It's something you collected, you might probably lose. But what you have taken hold of cannot be taken from you. Of his fullness we have received grace. And grace for grace. Can you see that? Why the double emphasis? Because what what are you receiving from? Yes. In what capacity? Fullness. You are receiving what cannot be exhausted. Run through a few other translations for me. TPT, John 1 16. And now out of his fullness we are fulfilled. And from him we receive grace heaped upon uh-huh, do you see that? Grace heaped upon more grace. Message. We all live off of his generous bounty gift after gift after gift. NLT. From his abundance we have received one gracious blessing after the other. Grace upon grace. Grace for grace. Grace heaped upon grace. That's what we have received. Now as much as this is motivational, it wasn't Paul's intention of Colossians 2.10. As much as it's great news. Woohoo! I'm complete in Christ. Paul made this statement for three reasons. One, that they will be informed and informed reminded about that reality. Just like you're, you're getting now. He told them you're complete in Christ. Who is head of all principalities and powers? So that they will be informed if they didn't know before or that they will be reminded of that reality because only in the consciousness of it can you avoid adulterations. Only in the consciousness of it can you avoid adulterations. Especially in this season. You know, you, 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 you look at it, if you're like me, I, I, again, I'm an apologetic, so I'm not saying you should do the same thing, but sometimes I wake up and I just go through live streams, church meetings. And I check out the guys that are doing the gospel. And you, you realize how subtle the mixtures are, but still visible and present. But they are so masked in such a way that you don't even know. That you are being served the servant and the son. You don't even know. 
that is a little bit of something in that water. Because you see, if I hadn't even done it in your presence, there's a likelihood that that mixture might have passed as maybe sparkling water and you drink it, no questions asked. Especially if it was me that gave it to you. So it's, easy, it's most, most easy to be hoodwinked by the person you trust the most. That's why even though my name may, may come up a lot in your lips, I show you scripture. So when you say my pastor said, you can corroborate it in scripture. All my pastor is saying is what scripture said. It's not my, it's not my personality I'm selling to you. On the contrary, if I was projecting my personality, I would hide truth from you. Because showing you truth doesn't help the business. If it was about, if it was about business. So Paul was saying this to remind them and inform them of that reality. God has given us all things. Somebody say, God has given me all things. Yeah. I, I called that scripture earlier, Romans 8.32. How shall he not along with him? Second Peter 1, 2 to 4, according as his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. According to the knowledge of him that called us of his own glory and goodness, or goodness and virtue of his own. Yes, next verse. According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Give us King James here. According to the knowledge of him that called us of his own glory and goodness. According as his divine power had given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That's the first reason why he tells them you're completing Christ. Second reason is so that they may walk in him with all consciousness. Colossians 2.6 Colossians 2.6 As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. Peripateo. Walk. Peripateo. Walk in him. Two words. Two Greek words. Peri, peri and pateo. Pateo means to walk or to tread. Yeah? That's pateo. To walk or to tread. Peri means to cover everywhere. So go around everywhere that you can pateo. Peri. So it's not just to walk, but to walk the entire circumference of what is possible. Does that make sense? So walk in Christ does not mean as is convenient to you. You can walk in giving and not walk in honor. You can walk in honor and not walk in submission. No. Peri pateo. Walk in every circumference of Christ. That's why I like original languages of scripture. Because you know you can just read walk in him. And say just walk in him. What does that mean? But walk is peripateo. So the roundabout complete walking. Every facet of Christ. Walking. Light. Remember? Third reason why he tells them they are complete in Christ. And I start to teach. If you're following me, you know that when I start to teach, I finished. I take my time and lay everything for you, line upon line, precept upon precept. When I tell you it's time to mix them all, I'm going to be done soon. Because once it comes together, it comes together in a wrap. Third point. He tells them that they're completing Christ so that they will guard against. Guard against every form of 
of supplements out there. Paul wasn't just telling the Colossian church a complete in Christ to excite them. He was telling them that they were complete in Christ because people were selling supplements for completion. People were sowing prospects. That it's possible you have Jesus and you lack something. That only my ministry can give you. No healthy person takes or needs supplements. If you are whole, go and see everybody that said Jesus healed them. You will realize that he didn't actually heal them. He made them. Except the ones that didn't let him finish his work. Like the nine lepers. Nine lepers discharged themselves from the hospital before the work was done. One leper came back to give thanks. Jesus said, why do not ten we healed? Ten we healed. Ten we healed. Only one came back. Now go, you are whole. So only one got the pleru. But all the others that were healed were made whole. That's the word, pleru, complete. So when Jesus healed them, they could never have been sick again. May your healing be permanent because you can lose it. It's one of the biggest insults to the ability of God in the church. And then you say to yourself, but did he not tell the person, lest the worst thing come upon you? The person who received healing, was he a new creation? Was he a new creation? Oh, if a demon is cast out and you don't fill it up, and you leave the house, you come back. Yes. Jesus was telling an unbeliever, I have sent Satan out of you. You don't put the Holy Spirit in you, Satan will come back. It was not a believer that he cast devils out of. And that's why it is instructive that in the entire scriptures, there's not a single instance of demons being cast out of believers. The entire scriptures. There's no single place where deliverance, as they call it now, affects I don't know how it came to mean chasing out of demons. Exorcism, basically. Demons were being cast out of believers. And believers were screaming and shouting. And the demons did not want to go out of believers. Demons. Servants of Satan. That we call to church meeting and tell him how he should help the church. Hamanaeus and Alexander, I have handed over to Satan that they might learn how not to blaspheme. When you are gathered in the name and spirit of the Lord, and my presence is there with you, hand them over such a one to Satan. That means Satan is, we call it Ecclesia. We say Satan. Five o'clock, we have a meeting. Be there. There's work for you. Satan, you are trying to bind and cast into the abyss that he can never go. Even Jesus, hear me, even Jesus cannot bind Satan and cast into the abyss. Uh-huh. Abyss. Bottomless pit. And he managed to come out after he cast him there last week. 
Bottomless. You cast, you binded him. And then you now casted him. Only night vigil last Friday. And by Saturday or today now, he has lost himself. Come out of the bottomless pit. Flew out and came to torment you again. It's you we should put in the bottomless pit. You are the one that should be put in the bottomless pit. What's wrong with you? So while you are sending him to bottomless pit, he's in the throne of grace. With the father. Telling the father how market. Job 1.6 You are binding and casting Satan and sending to the bottomless pit. Binding him. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Verse 7. See who talk first. See who talk first. Hold on. Who started the conversation? Who acknowledged the presence of the other? Don't rush it. Who acknowledged that Satan was present? And the Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? You don't reach. Only you are come. And then Satan replies, the Lord. The Lord. And said, I'm coming from going too far from the earth. I'm from walking up and down in it very little. Now, see message, verse 8. No, verse 7. Message. I love message, verse 7. God singled out Satan. Among all the angelic beings. And said, what have you been up to? Satan answered God. Go in here and there. While this is going on in the throne of grace. We have kept you at home on Sunday. Because your hands are not holy. To come before God. Because you sinned last Friday. But the father of liars and a murderer from the beginning is going to God without praying, without consecration, without fasting, without washing hands, without purifying. And God doesn't pass out and go black when he sees the darkness that is Satan. God can handle the personification of darkness but cannot atone for you at all times. So when you sin, run away! You stain God. But darkness comes regularly. And God singles darkness out and says, Accuser, accuser, you have come. You think Paul is crazy or the writer of Hebrews when he says, Let us come boldly! Boldly! You messed up. That's when you get boldness. I say, Papa, I'm coming home. Oh, I, I, I was ashamed. So I stayed at home. He, 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 he. He, 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 he. Don't stay at home. Don't stay at home. You are messing with your completion. The moment you do that, you will create avenue. You will create space inside your volume. For your completion to be contaminated. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
Don't do it. Because that's when you will get to the point where we will prescribe supplement for you. Fast for seven days. Three days dry. Two days semi dry. Two days you can break at six with fruits. We start to give you prescription. We're selling you supplements. So you can feel like you're doing something. Even though, like I said earlier on, about an hour ago, even when you did something, it doesn't count. We'll keep you away from the throne of grace. Satan is coming regularly. You are the one that thinks that God and Satan are enemies. <laughs> You're the one that thinks God and Satan are enemies. They're not. They have a fantastic employer-employee relationship. Fantastic working relationship. It's not even a partnership. It's not. Fantastic staff and boss. Someone who is, Jesus himself said, those who are well do not need a physician. You're on blood supplements. It means your blood is not working well. Your iron supplements means you have an iron deficiency. You have an omega deficiency. You have a vitamin deficiency. So we give you supplements to augment for your deficiency. People had crept into the church selling supplements to the church because they were trying to convince them that they were not complete. And I wrote here, what God has given us in Christ is meaningless if it is not complete. He can take it back. If I need to collect what God did in Christ, and add to it. Wait, hold on. God can as well take back what he did. I can generate completion for myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? If, 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 I, if I need to buy a brand new car and it comes without wheels, maybe even no suspension. So I have to get the suspension, get the wheels, get the tires on there, get the tire nuts, get the tire lock and get the valves. You know, I might as well build my car. I might as well just go buy a body, buy suspension, buy tires, buy engine. What's it remain? Engine, steering rack, steering axles, petrol tank, chairs, battery, electricals. And my guys, I can build it. But you sell me something that is not standalone. I have to buy other things to add to it. You know, just keep it. I might as well take my time and build it according to my specification. And so you must guard against supplements. I wrote something here. I said, do not buy in bits. And a scrap what was given to you all at once and for free. Do not buy in bits and a scrap what was given to you all at once and for free. For the third time. Do not buy in bits and a scrap what was given to you all at once and for free. That's the definition in Nigerian parlance of the phrase bad market. That's classic bad market definition. You're buying it in bits, small, small. Scrap. Because when you put it together, I can't help you. 
what he gave you whole all at once all at once for free tell your neighbor as you sit down ignore the supplements no matter how juicy Tell your other neighbor, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it. You don't need it, you don't need it. Tap the person behind you in front of you, tell them you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it. Don't need it, don't need it. You don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it. You don't need it. You see why Paul was emphatic about it. See why he was emphatic about guarding against this. Because, and that's what we're dealing with now. Because you have received the gospel, right? You know, first, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I, I write to you to remind you about the gospel which you have received, in which you also stand. How that Christ died according to the scriptures, right? You know, he says to them in Romans 16, 25, I think it is, that now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the preaching of Christ Jesus. He says in Romans 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. He says you have believed the gospel in Colossians 1. That's the heart of it. You have have believed the gospel. If you have believed the gospel, then you are complete. Because John 1 16 says, of his fullness we have received. Grace upon grace. So there's no space for anything else. You are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10. No space for anything else. But I'm saying here that Paul said, that we're completing Christ to one, inform or remind us of that reality, two, to cause us to walk in it, and three, cause us to guard against supplements. What are the supplements? This is where a cursory look at the pretext of Colossians 2 shows you what those supplements are that led him to say you are complete because there were supplements being sold in the verses just before verse 10. That's why I said Colossians 2.10 doesn't stand alone. There were things that were suggesting to them that you needed to add to what Jesus did. Just like there are things suggesting to us every day all around us, especially in this area where we live. Constantly suggesting to us you must add to what Jesus did. Or else... Jesus did it, but you're not complete. A man must add to what Jesus did. Colossians 2, now we go to verse 4. You see the premise to verse 10. Now hear Paul. Now, I say this, lest, which is to say, so that something does not give us TPT. Let's, let it help somebody. Let's. I want you to know this so that no one will come and that's lest. So beware of a spore of chapter 2 of Colossians. Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Can you see the supplements being talked about now? Five. We're going, let's just read through until we get to ten then I'll break it down and we're, and we're done. For though I'm absent in the flesh yet I'm with you in spirit. So in other words, don't think that because I'm not there, they can come and plant you supplements that they don't sell to you because I'm not there. I'm with you in spirit. That's what he meant. Not that my spirit is with you. Because that will, that will support astral travel. Which is not a thing. You cannot be in two places at the same time. 
If Paul was with them in spirit, he couldn't have been writing that letter. Because his body would not be able to function without his spirit. If he could be with them in spirit in, in Colossians, how is he writing the letter except if he's now omnipresent, which is dangerous to suggest because that puts him in the God class. See, to interpret scripture is not difficult. <laughs> if he's with them in spirit, how is he writing? How is his body functioning when the spirit is absent? Because it's the same Paul that says, as soon as you are absent in the body, which in itself is to say you have died and the next thing to happen is that you will now be with the Lord. Not that as you died, went to the Lord. So if he's with them in spirit and he's writing letter, how is he writing letter when the body cannot function without the spirit? The only other way to explain that logically would be to suggest that he could be in more than one place at the same time. Which takes away God's peculiar sovereignty. He's a non-communicable attribute. Makes Paul omnipresent. That's a dangerous postulation. So, it couldn't, on the strength of scripture, couldn't mean that. It would have to mean, according to context, oh, so I left you. And then people almost come in and deceive you and sell you supplements that they don't sell to you because I'm not there. No, no, I'm there. I've done enough work in you. Does that make sense? Done enough work in you. I am, I'm very, very much present with you. It's like when I was traveling last year for an extended period, the pastor said to me, so, ah, you're leaving the church for who? I said, no, I've raised them. So in that context, I was with you in every meeting in spirit. Because the spirit which is at work in this house is a spirit that God has used me to foster. Make sense? So I am with you in spirit. That's what he meant. Does that make sense? Colossians 2.5 For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness, unmovability of your faith in Christ. 6. As therefore you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord. So, walk in him, comma, Walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught. Abounding in the faith. With thanksgiving. It goes into verse 8. What am I trying to say? Beware lest anyone cheats you. Because the first supplement. Philosophy. If you are complete. Are you being cheated? Through philosophia. Greek word, compound word, two words, philos, Sophia. Sophia means wisdom. Philos means friendly or family. So wisdom that will appeal to you because it's coming from a familiar point of view. Philo, which is how you, they call another form of love, phileo, which is familial love. Family based. You know how those masquerades in Calabar will say, Nachibong, the person where you know. Okay, some of you have never been bold enough to stand for a masquerade to get to you. So you don't know what I'm saying. Some of you flee. <laughs> From every appearance of evil. Some of us have had the privilege to have conversations 
with masquerades. It's fun. Because <laughs> why will I start running from a human being? Because he's wearing the gutters. Because he's wearing garbage. So that's, that's philo. That's the way you know. <laughs> that's philo. Does that make sense? Familiar. Something that's familiar. So philosophia, philosophy, philosophia is knowledge or wisdom that is acceptable because it's coming from something familiar. So for philosophy to get you, it has to appeal to you first. There is no argument that wins a person over that did not first meet a pre-existing doubt in their mind. For an argument to win you over, including rebellion, there had to have been a festering of a doubt that once the argument is heard, you're like, yeah, it's true. I've actually felt like this. If it's something you have never felt, you are quick to shut it down. And that's why Absalom always comes from what is familiar. If it's something you have never entertained, you will, not, you will just shut it down. Like, get, please, excuse me, get up now. Get out of here. Let this be the last time you talk about my church. Last time you talk about my pastor. And some of you don't have any gumption until you get to that point. Maybe we have to tell, excuse me, listen, if you're going to have any form of relationship with me, you can never, ever, ever, ever raise your mouth and talk about my pastor, talk about my church. I will slap you and I will not blink about it. So if you want to maintain a cordial working relationship, define If you don't want, that's the door. I won't say that I talk about my father in how you like. You're not there when he was raising me. You're not there. Submitted to a man and been shaped by him. You come and sit down and talk nonsense. I will slap you. I don't mean spiritually. You can't do that. If he's flawed, it's not from your mouth. I want to hear it. You have no placement. To stand in judgment over me concerning somebody I submit to in whom I see no flaw. That's where philosophy will come from. It has to be something that you had thought of. But normally if it's something you've never thought of. So something can be true to this person and can be false to that person. Because to this person, it met a pre-existing thought. To this person, I cannot entertain it. I can't see it. That's philosophy. So somebody can come to you and start to tell you where they went last week in the night to heaven. And because you, you have been praying and following an apostle that wants to take you to portals, it rings true because it's something you had an interest in. Praying for the supernatural. Father, show me the supernatural. Open unto me windows. Open unto me portals. You have, you have set yourself up for supplements. Because you are saying that where Jesus sat you in the heavenlies, that's not a portal. Enough. Sat you in the heavenly place. In Christ. And you're looking for a portal. I sat in my room. And the window, the door, the wall opened. And the light shone. And I walked out. And as I walked out, and you're spellbound. You're like, wow. This world. 
people having out of body experience. And somebody starts to give you steps. And then you go on YouTube and you see this provocative. See what this person said about his experience. And it looks very nice on YouTube and you see 316,000 views. You're like, there has to be some level of credence to this thing. You click. You see somebody talking about the gospel. Our first is reloaded. 217 views. <sighs> Philosophy has never fallen. Some people say to you, yeah, it's true. Me, me, me too. I, I experienced something like that. Even me, I was noticing that. And then you start to go, yeah, actually. Actually, it's true. There's that pattern. My grandfather, my father, my uncle. Do patterns exist? Yes. For the most part, guess what they are? At worst, genetic. At worst. Genetic, not spiritual. Your father had anger issues. He gave birth to you. You are carrying his gene. Chances are very high. Have anger issues. It's not spiritual. It's genetic. It's what you inherited from your father. And sometimes even they're not genetic. At best, they're acquired. You grew up watching your father always holler at your mom. Watching your father always shout at your mom. You just grew up with a violent propensity. It's not spiritual. It's either acquired at best, genetic at worst. Most times. Such that if you became conscious of it and applied yourself to it deliberately, you will break it. Fast all you want. It's not going to change. Take all the supplements they sell to you. So we hear people saying, I've gone from one prophet. That's one of the saddest things you can hear from, me, from a believer's mouth. I've gone from one church to another, one prayer house to another, one prophet to another. Sad. Magician. Shadows. Somebody will say to you, I have one prophet. My auntie's neighbor's first daughter, stepsister's cousin's brother had that issue. Is that not so? Philosophia. Empty deceit is the next supplement sold. Colossians 2.6. Empty deceit. Put it up. Colossians 2.6. Deceit aparte. Philosophy, philosophy and empty deceit. Aparte from apateo. A-P-A-T-E. And it means a false impression made to deceive or cheat. I see. I see. I see. I see. Spirit of God has taken me to your village. How? Right now I'm in your village. I'm in your village right now. I'm in your living room. A false impression made to deceive or cheat, that is, deceit motivated by guile and treachery. And that's from the word apatao, which means A-P-A-T-O-O, which means to deceive using tactics like seduction, Giving distorted impressions and emphasizing the means to bring into error. The man comes at the behest of his Israeli housemaid who says there's a prophet in Samaria. Naaman is a general in the Syrian army. You come across from Syria into Israel, get to Samaria. <laughs> Elisha doesn't even dignify him. With his presence. I'm showing you deceit. Pateo. 
doesn't even dignify him with his presence. Second Kings. And says, just go to the Jordan. Dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. Basically, go and acknowledge that you cannot help yourself because Jordan is a place of dirt. Jordan River is not clean. It's dirty. One of the dirtiest rivers in Israel. So you didn't go to Washington Jordan to be clean. You went to Washington Jordan to admit that you are leprous from head to toe. That's why he ties Naaman and his leprosy to Jordan. So basically go and give yourself enough to acknowledge that you are totally messed up and need God to save you. And you will be clean. You will be made whole. The Jordan has no cleansing properties. The Jordan is where you admit your humanity. Jesus went to the Jordan and said, Suffer it to be so that all righteousness be fulfilled. Let them know that I came as a man and was baptized as a man of John when and where John was baptizing men. Jordan defines, defines humanity and human depravity. So people that were going to the Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist were people that John was reminding, you have sins. I am not the one to take away your sins, but in your baptism you admit you have sins that he that is coming after me will take away. Do you understand? So he would tell them at the Jordan, he that is coming before me, after me is greater than I am because he has been before me. I baptize you with water unto repentance, unto changing your mind about requiring to be saved. But he that is coming, I baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away what I could not take away. Because I wasn't baptizing you for taking away of sin. I was baptizing you for repentance, which is not the forgiveness of sin. If it were, then the moment John baptized them, they should have received forgiveness of sin. So what did Jordan signify? Acknowledgement of humanity and human depravity. Dirty river. It doesn't cleanse you. It reminds you how dirty you are and how you need saving. So Elisha tells him, you don't have a problem besides admitting, confronting your pride and admitting that you can't help yourself. There no better rivers in Syria. <laughs> that's what he said. And that was rhetorical for meaning there are better rivers in Syria. Even in Israel, there are so many cleaner rivers than Jordan. And then the servant said, but if they had asked you to do a difficult thing, would you not have happily done it? That's a very instructive salvation story. If they had asked you to do a difficult thing, would you have happily done it? Now he says, just go and deep in the Jordan. Just go and admit you cannot help yourself. Just go and admit you're not all that. And he was like, okay, well, yeah. Ain't gonna cost nothing. Now you're ready. He ain't gonna take your effort. Now you're ready. Just gonna take you admitting you can't help yourself. Now you're ready. <laughs> and so he dips in the Jordan. Basically, he confronts his helplessness. And his whole. And he comes with stuff to give Elisha. Elisha tells the servant, Gehazi, he said, because you don't, if you pay the fee, it's not free. So the moment Elisha received anything from Naaman, a price would have been introduced into salvation. And this story was not about Naaman and about Elisha or about Jordan. Because I repeat again, he asked him, if they asked you to do a difficult thing, works, would you not have done it? 
Hey, now they're asking you, don't do anything. Just confront yourself. Say, I cannot help myself. Acknowledge your depravity and your humanity. And you'll be made whole. And basically what Naaman went into Jordan to do was, I believe, help, help my own belief. In that instant, he received salvation for free. Then he comes to give. Elisha says, no, no, I can't do that. Because the moment Elisha collected that thing, the eternal prophetic agenda, remember, of God would have been aborted. Because a prophet could not bridle his stomach when he saw money. So Elisha said, I can't take it from you. And then you see, Abateo comes in. The servant runs after Neman and say, No, now you say you know that this is supposed to cost you something. Are you following me now? Are you safe? Think about it. You just come and collect something and go. No, my master said a visitor just arrived. So now I know he said we didn't need anything. But now all of a sudden, we need something from you to look after a battle. And guess what? That was Naaman's happiest moment. Happier moment than getting healed. The moment there was a, an opportunity presented to him to do. It was like, eh, eh. Now I can feel like I did something. Take these two bags of silver. Deceit. It's not necessary. All of us know it's not necessary, but we're hoping you don't know that it's not necessary. So when I tell you to bring it, you bring it and even thank me for telling you to bring it. Elisha said, <laughs> said Mumu, it did my eyes not follow you. I love that story. Where have you been? Elisha said, I have not gone anywhere. She said, did my eyes not follow you? I saw you collecting that thing so. So now the leprosy, ye who have turned to the law have fallen from grace. The leprosy of Naaman will cling to you and your family forever. For collecting money for what was free, for doing something about what he did, let him be accursed. And it says, and he went out from his presence instantly, white. Taking you back to Leviticus 13. The whole story is a salvation story. The whole Old Testament is a salvation story. But for today, I'm, I'm emphasizing the empty deceit of the servant to try and make something get done to pay for what was received for free. It's right there in the Old Testament. I know you have received it, but you say, how do you feel receiving the salvation for free? You didn't drop anything, Yusuf. Check it now. So, you know, we, we have need now. <laughs> Good. And it would not have been fair to plant the leprosy back on Naaman because Naaman didn't know any better. Yeah. Didn't know any better. And so, it leaves to you. You are the initiator of these works, not Naaman, you. So, if any of you will cause any of these little children to stumble, it would be better for you that they millstone for you that a millstone will hung around your neck and you were cast into the sea. Empty deceit. And we have a lot of that. God did it all. He did it in Scripture cannot lie. Scripture is very clear that he did it for free. 
He is the price he paid. He didn't contribute. He is the price he paid. And then somebody comes to tell you. Yeah. Don't celebrate freedom like that. They are telling you dance. Dance like the weight has been lifted. You said you just believe that just by preaching, teaching, gospel. You now believe that true, true. It has been lifted. Ah, ah, now. But you see, there's something that we need from you to look after the visitors. They be like, absolutely. Anything for the Lord. This is, are you getting this? Supplement. Then he goes on and calls another word, traditions of men. Paradosis. Para. Para is the Greek word that became Latin that means beside or supporting. Hence, paramilitary. They're not military, but they serve the military. Paramedical. Paralegal. They're not lawyers, but they're like legal secretaries. They do all the legal work. They do all the con- con- connect to the, the clerks, the registrars. They even draw up a preliminary case. Consider all the evidence. Stack up the evidence accordingly. And then a junior associate or a senior associate or a partner picks it up and then walks off of where the paralegal worked. Para. They don't have a legal license. They will never be called to the bar. Except, of course, if they go to law school, bar school. But they, are, they understand the full runnings of a law firm. They're called paralegals. Paramilitary. You also have para-church organizations like Scripture Union. Right? Like the Boys Brigade, like the Girls Guide, like the Red Cross. These are known as para-church organizations. They're not church, but they're walk, walk in circles, borders around church ministry. Para. Beside. Around. In support of. Paradosis. The other word is didomai. Para. Didomai and didomai refers, refers to the passing over of or the giving over of instruction, if you like, tradition, verbally transmitted tradition in support of. So tradition, paradosis, in English would be the additional or supporting Information handed down. Paradosis. What we have given over, that is, let's support the law. The law is the law. But we have the Bible, but then Moroni has a book. <laughs> we have Bible, but uh, sorry, Moses had a sixth and a seventh book. Are you following me now? So we start to look at para-biblical sources. Sources that claim to support the Bible and make up what they say the Bible is lacking. Because somehow God in his infinite sovereignty could not ensure that only what needed to be in scriptures were canonized. Somehow God was just sleeping. Everybody just did what they liked. And now it's down to men to show us what God did and did not do. That's one place you'll never find me. Basically trying to correct God by force. What God allowed, you're the one that can reverse. If he allowed what he allowed. 
Paradoxes, traditions. That's the word paradoxes. So, supporting evidence by itself doesn't sound like a bad thing until you see traditions of men. Paradoxes do anthropon, from which you get the, the science anthropology, which is the study of man or of mankind. So, man is anthropon. It also refers to the system of mankind or the world system or even elementary system, which is sometimes translated elements. Traditions of men. What men are telling you they are handing down are in support of the truth. Put on Colossians 2 verse 6. I'm almost done. Philosophy, empty. Are you learning anything? Empty deceit. Next one. According to the traditions of men, that's paradoxes. According to the basic principles of the world. Basic principles. Stokion. S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. Stokion. Stoikion. S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. Stoikion. And it means rudiments. Principles. Elemental or cosmic forces. Spiritual forces. So basic principles of the world is not just money or food dressing. It's referring to these principles that govern the universe. Yeah? Cosmos. Elementary in that case. You know elementary or elemental actually refers to like metaphysical. Yeah? Or spiritual forces of this world. And Paul is saying don't let anybody use that to deceive you. So when we're selling to you cosmos and selling to you portals and selling to you uh, realms and selling to you dimensions. What are we selling to you? Elemental principles of the world which are not according to Christ. Because if there were aspirations of the believer, either Jesus or any of the apostles should have shown us at least one example of a believer aspiring to enter a portal. This is what happens when we watch too much Back to the Future. Rudiments, principles, elemental or cosmic spiritual forces of this world, cosmos, world system. Which you get the word cosmopolitan. And how is, here's how he ends. All of those and not. In other words, it cannot be according to Christ and be stoichion. And be looking at elemental forces. It cannot be according to Christ and be paradoxes. Traditions of men. It cannot be according to Christ and be philosophy of familial wisdom. It cannot be according to Christ and be apateo. Empty deceit that aims to plug a gap where it makes you convinced that what you did for what you got for free is not enough. It cannot be those and according to Christ. It cannot be according to Christ and those. So Paul has explained all of this and then he gets to verse 10. And he says in verse 10, show us verse 9. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily in him. Not according to Christ. For in Christ is full. And you are complete in him who is the fullness of that's what leads to your completion. After eliminating all the supplements, it says he's the one in whom you are complete because he's the head of all those things they are trying to sell to you and he has completed you. Now he has finished this. He now enters his message, which is why I'm closing verse 11 to 15. He starts to tackle the remaining supplements. The next supplement that comes up is legalism. 
In him you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. Not circumcision of Moses. Acts 15, 1 to 5. Acts 15, 1 to 5. See, that supplement. What are we talking now? Supplement. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are according to the you cannot be wow it didn't start today sir verse 2 we're going to verse 5 all the way to verse 5 therefore ah, see Paul Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension oh I love those guys <laughs> give me give me TPT <laughs> give me TPT verse 2 this past sparked a fierce argument between the and Paul and Barnabas. So the church appointed a delegation of believers, including Paul and Barnabas, to go to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. Because this has came from Jerusalem. And the elders of the church and resolved this issue. There's three. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren for. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. Five. Or some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed. Look at this carefully. Who believed, supposedly believed the gospel. Rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them. See supplement. To keep and command them to keep the law of God. Some of the Pharisees who believed it's necessary to circumcise them. Let's let's balance it small. And every time these theological, doctrinal, religious, dogmatic arguments come up, scripture is very loud on shooting it down. Scripture doesn't tolerate the world's paradoxes of balance. Balance it. See, balance there. They, they tried. It was necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Paul was not having it. I don't have time to show you the whole thing. But you see already Galatians 2 when Paul says, circumcision, the circumcision that matters is the circumcision of the heart in Christ. Romans 2 29. It's a concept I'll come back and teach later. Somebody say, I'm completing Christ. There's no room for anything else. There isn't. Romans 2.29. So, but he's a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Not in the letter. Whose praise is not from men, but from God. Go back to that verse again. Play me here in the TPT. 2.29. But you are a Jew because of the inward act of spiritual circumcision. A radical change that lays bare your heart. It's not by the principle of law. Or by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? Ephesians 2.11. I'm just showing you a little bit on circumcision. Being a supplement that was suggested in the church. That had been told. Or needed to be told. That they were complete in Christ. Because being complete in Christ. Meant they were circumcised in Christ. If they are complete in Christ. And circumcision is required. Then when on the earth day. Jesus was taken to the temple and circumcised. All of force. We're circumcised. Otherwise, there's a problem with saying we died with him. 
when now let him die. In that sense. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. In other words, people who were physically circumcised are looking at you and calling you a circumcision when you are the circumcision. He repeats it to the Philippian church in Philippians 3.3. 3. It says, for we, it is us who have believed, not Jews, we who have believed are the circumcision. Go to verse 1. Verse 1 is, starts in verse 1, then verse 2 tells them, but you have dogs. It's a scriptural phrase. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Verse 2, you have dogs. Who are dogs? Evil workers. Mutilation. Mutilation are the people that go around looking to cut off the false skin. Circumcise us. Let's see this verse maybe TPT or message. Mutilation. Mutilations of the flesh. Beware of those religious hypocrites, dogs, who teach that you should be circum- <clears throat> circumcised to please God. Mutilation. Does that make sense? It's on account of verse 2 that he says in verse 3, it is we that are the circumcision. So stop looking for someone to clip, clip your foreskin for salvation. That's not circumcision. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. So what did being, what does being complete in Christ achieve for us among other things? It retires circumcision for salvation. Is it clear in scripture? Is it clear in scripture? It retires circumcision as a prerequisite for salvation. That's why when people came in Acts 15, selling the supplement of circumcision, Paul and Barnabas said, God forbid. Is this clear enough for you to understand? Are you sure? They said, no, it's not possible. Because circumcision, as we saw in Romans 2, is not outward. It is the circumcision of the heart, of which that physical circumcision was only a type and a shadow. Are you getting this? So in verse 11 of Colossians, he emphasizes that circumcision, Colossians 2, is in Christ. So that's another supplement that he shut down. And now again in this, in this meeting, across the body of Christ, we have just shut down that supplement. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Hey, 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 put the TPT up. Is this exciting anybody? Colossians 2.11, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been nip-nip, mutilated. And it's now extinct because has telos for us. Accomplished for us. So why, why allow the mutilation of the flesh? When it is complete, it's accomplished. It is accomplished. You see why we must be taught rightly? It's accomplished in Christ. Go on to verse 12. Colossians 11, Colossians 2, 12. Hallelujah. You can James and then we'll go to TPT. You were circumcised with him. Buried with him. In baptism. In which you also were raised with him through faith. In the walking of God, who raised him from the dead? For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means, see it in quote, 
trying to just not get caught in baptism. I've talked about it before. But you see it in quote. It's not talking about literal baptism. That's why it's in quote. Our immersion into his death when he died. Our baptism into his death, into death, also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses, 14. See how legalism is suffering here. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's the law. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. How did he nail it to the cross? In himself. For the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. So when he was nailed to the cross, what was nailed to the cross? The entire requirement of the law. Having nailed it to the cross. 15. See? Having disarmed principalities. Disarmed. And powers. Because their power over us was in the strength of the law. In our inability to please God because we cannot keep the law was the... The propensity or the inclination of principalities and powers to probably have their way over us. That's why somebody will come and drag for the body of Joshua. Jehoshua, Lord our salvation. That's his name. Joshua means Jesus. And they came to drag for him until he had to be clothed differently. If you read that account. He had to be worn the righteousness of God. Because in his self-righteousness, in avoiding the mistakes Moses made, Joshua was still not righteous. So Satan came to drag because Satan had a stake in Joshua. On account of Joshua's self-righteousness. And so the arming of principalities and powers is in the presence of the law and your inability to keep it. Hence, principalities and powers are armed. Once we remove the law, that is the power of sin. Sin dies a natural death. The removing and killing of the law, which is also the death of sin in a believer, is the disarming of principalities and powers. Because now, principalities and powers don't have a legal right to afflict you. What empowered them is taken away. You died to it. Now, not only did he disarm them, because of how much triumph he dragged them naked in the street. Message. 15, the message. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. So here's him. Like the, the, it's, a, it's a Roman analogy Paul borrows here. Of a Roman general coming back after years of a campaign. Or a crusade. And usually they send the spoil ahead of them. You see all the slaves chained as plunder coming through the streets. And then the Roman polity, the citizens, are throwing stones and, and rotten vegetables at the first train of the entourage because that's the slaves, the conquest. And then they save the petals for the soldiers. 
That's that analogy that he borrows to say what Jesus did. He dragged principalities and powers. Because there's no way that they will have the ability to get a believer anymore. That believer is now complete in Christ. So it's not just winning principalities. It's embarrassing them and rubbing it in their face. How much they have lost in your life. Where these guys don't understand the scriptures. This shall be an ordinance in all generations forever. Guess who is the last generation in the eyes of God? Jesus. All of us are of the Jesus generation. Till the day of the Lord. That's why we are all sons of God and not grandsons. Or great grandsons. It doesn't matter if I brought you into the faith. It doesn't matter. By the time I bring you to you and I are sons of God. Which means you and I are brothers of Jesus. If you are brothers, are we in different generations? So when our elder brother fulfills a generational requirement, we've all fulfilled it. And forever. So God reckons forever in Christ. Not in men. I repeat, God reckons forever in Christ, not in men. Because Christ is the forever high priest. That's why what Christ came to do had to stretch across eternity. Why have I said all this about festivals? You think, oh, you must keep it. You must keep the Sabbath. It's the sacrosanct. The, the Old Testament does not cancel the New Testament. The New Testament is, is, is a whole argument. Dispensationalists and primitives all argue for this continued sacrosanctity of both the old and the new. Or see Acts chapter. That's why I repeat. And that argument has started again. People have started coming to attack Paul. Because the only way you can make these two work together is to discredit Paul and remove what he said as not being scripture. See how it goes to Acts 6. You see these laws because the, the Israelites believed that this was what God gave them to keep forever. Don't touch our Sabbaths. Don't touch our set feasts. Don't touch our new moons. Don't touch our festivals. Don't, don't do it. You can say whatever you want to say. Don't tell us to stop doing what God gave Moses. That's why I said scripture can become error, can become doctrine of demons if you refuse to retire what God has retired. It's not the words of men that produce doctrine of demons. It's the word of God. The word of God that he calls fulfilled, that you refuse to let go of, is what demons take over and start to sell supplements with. Do you understand what I just said? Doctrine of demons is not doctrine from what demons said in scripture. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. It's from what God said. And you don't understand that the dispensation within which God intended for it to apply has passed. So you hold men, sons of God, bound to a word of God that is fulfilled, but you know agree. Because demons will not come and tell you Satan said, and you will believe. <laughs> come on, man. Satan will come and tell you, I'm Satan, Satan, Satan. You'll be like, come on. Get out of here. So this said, don't, don't, don't touch our fists. And when they were going to stone Stephen in Acts 6, that was the charge they laid against him. Acts 6, 13 and 14. 
That's why I showed you the feast. How the guys are believing it is the feast of God. Which they were as a shadow. Who gave them? God. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the temple. That was their problem. And before you think, eh, what he, they just said customs now. See the next verse. All who sat looking at him steadfastly saw his face as the face of an angel. 16. Then the high priest said, are these things so? That was the primary issue here. Don't come and tell us that we're going to lose all that we've been doing. See verse 11. They secretly induced men to say it because that's the charge they knew would stick against Stephen. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. What blasphemous words? The gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that retires the law of Moses. This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. So I wrote here, scripture, scripture can be made into the tradition of men and the doctrine of demons when men insist on holding on to what God in Christ has done away with. Scripture, scripture, what God said, scripture, what God created, scripture can be made into the tradition of men and the doctrine of demons. When men insist on holding on to what God in Christ has done away with. Now, these guys are fighting because they don't want to lose Moses. Jesus told them in John 5, if you believed Moses, you'd have believed me. Because Moses wrote of me. John 5, he says, it's not me that will accuse you that day. It's Moses in whom you trust, 45. Because if you believed Moses, 46. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me for he, Moses, wrote about me. 47. But if you don't believe his writings, how would you believe my words? Because my words are an echo of his writings. His writings pointed to my word. Luke 24, 27. Moses wrote about Jesus. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. Beginning at Moses. Moses being the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the five books of Moses. And then the rest of the prophets. He expounded to them in scriptures the things concerning himself. So Moses wrote about Jesus. This is why Hebrews credits Moses as having faith. Faith is not in any other. Faith is in Christ Jesus. If someone is said in the hallmark of faith, or the hall of faith as they call Hebrews 11, if the person, like we saw of Abel, if a person is said by faith, Rahab, it means Rahab saw Jesus. She had to have heard the gospel, either in a promissory sense, in a shadowy sense, in a foretelling as a type. You cannot say you have faith outside Christ. For salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So if you hear by faith, it means the person heard the gospel. That's how Abraham got faith. Abraham believed God. For scripture, foreseeing God will justify the Gentiles, our salvation. Preach the gospel to Abraham saying, Galatians 3.8. 
So when Abraham believed, he didn't believe that God can give him a child. He believed this God, salvation. Because Jesus said, Moses wrote of him. And we can see foreshadowings of Jesus in the writings of Moses. That's why the writer of Hebrews can say, by faith, Moses. By faith. That's why he came down sad from the mountain. And that's why he showed up again on the Mount of Transfiguration to hand over. That was his retirement ceremony. The law and the prophets. Moses signifying the law. Elijah signifying the prophets. Because Jesus made it clear. Jesus, he said of all the prophets, Elijah was the greatest. Until John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is greater than Elijah. Only because John the Baptist pointed out Jesus. Not because John the Baptist did any miracle. For he did none. So what made John the Baptist greater than Elijah, who was the greatest prophet? John the Baptist pointed men to Christ, something Elijah did not do. So who was the greatest of the, of the prophets before John the Baptist? Elijah. Who was the proponent of the law before Jesus? Moses. Who were the two people on the Mount of Transfiguration? The law and the prophets to recognize and hand over to the Son. So when the voice from heaven spoke, he said, this is my beloved son not Moses not Elijah Moses could not have been called son of God because he was servant I'll show you in a short while but let's see by faith Moses see 24 to 26 Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11 24 to 26 I'm at the meat of what I'm trying to show you we're completing Christ by faith Moses come on when he became of age 40 Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, which is what Egypt in the context of Exodus signifies. Egypt is a place, but there's something about Egypt. There's something about what Egypt signifies. Egypt signified the passing pleasures of sin. Comma. He esteemed manacles. So what cost Moses, whether he knew it or not, to come away from Egypt and look to even kill somebody and to notice that somebody is, is putting somebody under bondage when we are designed for freedom because it is for freedom that he set us free. So why are you holding this person to a yoke of bondage? I will kill this person. What cost all those movements in Moses? He began to see the coming Christ. He didn't understand what movements were going on in his inside. He didn't have the fullness of it. But it was the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. That's why Moses will give them the acts of God. And himself is following the ways of God. That's why Moses himself will, the, people, the mountain will rage with fire and everybody will run away. And Moses will enter the fire and talk to God. He had seen, he had seen, he had seen, he had seen something. He had seen something. And he wrote of, he couldn't have written of Jesus and not seen him in one form or another. And because he saw him, he was called as having faith. The same thing would be by faith, Rahab. 
She said, hey, this place is falling. Salvation is coming to God's people. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. This is going to scatter and only that which is of God will stand and it's going to happen by the blood. So, scarlet thread, red scarlet thread. I'm a sinner. Scarlet represents sin and crimson. I will drop this red thing here and because I have acknowledged the working of the blood of Jesus, everything else not planted on my heavenly father shall be uprooted. But this one on account of the blood, because like Passover, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and they said to her don't worry everywhere on this wall will fall except where the blood is speaking and if I were Rahab just like the Egyptians I will gather my ex-customers I will gather my family I will gather my children into my house because I have received assurance beyond probability that my house will not fall I and my household shall be saved on the day of the Lord by faith, therefore, Rahab. No one is credited with having faith who didn't have an encounter with Jesus. By faith, Moses. Let me finish. Jesus is greater than Moses. Because Moses served the cause of Jesus. And so when the son showed up, the servant had to bow out. Hebrews 3, 1 to 6. I'm there. Hebrews 3, 1 to 6. Moses is just a servant of God. How can the servant of God and the son of God be dragging for pride of place? What's wrong with us? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Analogy. As Moses was also faithful in all his house. Verse 3. For this one, capital O, please read with me, has been counted. This one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Keep going. In as much, in the like, in the same manner, as he who builds the house has more honor than the house. Keep going. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Keep going. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as, 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 for a testimony of those things which will be spoken afterwards. But Christ, the Lord, yes, good, yes, just, yes, righteous, yes, supervised by Moses, yes, faithful Moses, yes, as what? And Jesus has more glory than Moses. Grace has more glory than the law. And the servant and the son cannot go exist happily together on the same platform. The servant must give way for the son. But Christ has son over his own house. Whose house we are if we hold on fast. The confidence and rejoicing of the hope from to the end. This is not referring to losing your salvation. But watching out for those that sell supplements to you. The son has manifested as the servant prophesied. <laughs> the son has manifested as the servant prophesied. Now what happens to the servant now that the son has manifested? Hebrews 7, 11. Hebrews 7, 11, I'm going to go to 19. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, remember this? 
I hinted on it a few weeks ago. If we were through the Levitical priesthood, for under that priesthood, the people received the law. Scripture is very clear. What further need was there that another priest should rise? According to the order of Melchizedek, if the law could perfect, that priesthood, if, could, if that priesthood could perfect, because it's through that priesthood the law came. If that priesthood and its law could perfect, why did we need to bring another priest after a different order and not be called according to the order of Aaron, which is where Levites came from? You understand the argument now? For the priesthood being changed from that of Aaron and the law, of a necessity, there is also a change of the law. You can't remove the priesthood that brought a law and expect the law that was given by the priesthood to remain in force. If you remove the priesthood that brought the law, it means you must remove the law that accompanied the priesthood. So you can't remove Moses and leave the law that Moses brought. Next verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken, referring to Jesus, belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Judah. Jesus did not come from Levi. There was no record ever of a priest coming from the tribe of Judah. That's why what David did was crazy. David entered the temple and entered the most holy place where only priests from Levi enter. That's why David was a type of Christ. Which no man has officiated at the altar. Keep going. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. There's nothing that could have ever qualified them to be priests. Keep going. And he, it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever. Quoting David now, saying of Jesus, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. 18. For on the one hand, look at this carefully. On the one hand, there is the what? No, calm down. On the one hand, there is the what now? How can something that is annulled remain in force? How do we argue? Where do we argue balance from? Where do we argue balance from? Where do we argue balance from? Where do we argue the upholding of the law from? For Give me, give me, give me TPT. The old order of priesthood has been set aside as weak and powerless. Keep going. For the law has never made anyone perfect. Look at this. Shout, want to go. But. New King James 19. In its place. Want to go. Hold on. A better hope than what, Walter? So then, verse 9 of chapter 10. We'll go through and kill Hebrews one of these days. Hebrews 10 verse 9. We're brought a better hope. A bringing in of a better hope. Now what happens to the old one that has been annulled? Want to go? Everybody read. Mm -hmm. Calm down. Go back. He does what to the first? He does what to the first? Next slide. That? Stay here. TPT. 
What happened to the first? Ah. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that. We have to kill a goat. We have to uproot something. We have to shed the entire system. Entire system. Paul now gets to verse 18. Colossians 2, 18. He now tackles another supplement. Angelic manifestations. That's the last one he takes on. That's the last one I'm taking on. But you know, if you know me, you know that when it comes to talking about angels, I go vex. Because I, I've had enough of the bastardizations in church of what Jesus did that is complete. What Jesus did that is complete. Let the people of God be free. Let he be the one that polices their liberty. And they're free. He paid for it, not you. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility and close your eyes, bow your heads, or like I say sometimes, close your air heads, bow your eyes. Because sometimes that's the only way you can be deceived by closing your heads and bowing your eyes. There are angels here. Close the doors, no movement. I have been a victim of that witchcraft. Angels here. Don't move. If you move, you will collide with an angel. And you'll be responsible for what happens to you. Then you will know, I'm a man of God. Put verse 18 back on the screen before I deal with this in 5-10 minutes. Let no one cheat you of your reward. By causing you to take delight. False humility. Piosity. Oh, this is very quiet. It's very straight. Dress, dress is very modest. See, you wear tear tear jeans. God cannot be using you. There's no way. God cannot be using you. So that's how flimsy and insecure the salvation God gave you is. And they see somebody coming, looking very, very sad, you see. They say he's very righteous. He's very humble. <laughs> very holy. You know, you can wear six yards and cover yourself from your head to your toe. The word of God is quick and active, dividing the soul and spirit, searching the intents of the heart. And it is the intents of the heart that determines who is saved. Not outward appearance. Now, there's a walking of the spirit of God that begins to reflect on your outward appearance. That's for you and him to the measure that your mind is being renewed. False humility. Worship of angels. Ah, ah, angels. Worship angels. Fear angels. Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4 and verse 11. After the temptation finished, angels came and ministered to him. And minister to him does not mean that angels came and prayed for him. Minister to him is from the word diakonion, which is from the word diakonia, which means service, which is the word you get ministry from. They were waiting on the Lord. They brought food. They they prepared something and gave Jesus to eat. That's why he did not die there because he was hungry. The devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. If somebody is hungry and you are ministering, what are you ministering? Food. Not the spirit. 
not strength. No. Angels came and served him. Hmm? First John 3, 1 John 3.1 What was the temptation in Matthew 4 based upon? If thou art the... So Jesus was the... Satan was hoping he would not know that he was the... But Satan knew that Jesus was the... And now in 1 John 3, Father has bestowed upon us those love so that we shall be called what? Sons of God. So you have the same class as son of God in Matthew 4. Angels came and... And now you are... So in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13 to 14, you will see what happens in the correlation between angels and sons of God. Jesus was son of God in Matthew 4. Angels came and ministered to him. Now we are sons of God of the same order of Jesus. Because you are sons, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, behold, man of love, the Father has bestowed upon us that we shall be called sons of God. I'm saying that to say that now, according to Jesus, he says, but to which of the angels... Hebrews 1 13. To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? None. 14. Why would, he, why would he say that to angels? Why would he say that to angels in verse 14? 14. He will say that, he will not say that to angels because angels are what? Ministering spirits set forth to minister, aka, aka, TPT 14. What role then? Do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God. The message. Nobody should make you, scare you with angels. Isn't it obvious that all angels are sent to help out, boy, boy, with those lined up to receive salvation? Amplify are not angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who will inherit salvation? Of course they are. So I put here, and get ready for me, First Timothy 4.1. Any angel in church trying to teach doctrine or rule in the church is a demon. That's a Nanny, a servant, a boy boy that is trying to take over the house. What's a demon? Angels know their place. Yeah, around songs, angels know their place. I'm not Zachariah. You can't come and tell me, I'm Gabriel. You ask me how, so you will not talk. Try it. It's you that will not talk. You will not fly back to where you came from. You come to be threatening me as a son of God. I will tie you and put you outside. I'm collecting money for people to come and see what an angel looks like. Threat angel. Threatening son of God. After the order of Jesus. Father, open the eyes of your church. That they universally may behold wondrous things in your word. 1 Timothy 4.1 as I close. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. These are people that sell supplements. Paul then comes to verse 19. Colossians 2.19 as we finish. Colossians 2.19 Do you understand what being complete now means? Against the backdrop of all these people that are trying to sell you things and make you look like some things are missing. 
not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with increase that is from God. Keep going on to verse 23. Christ is the head. He's responsible for nourishing me. My head. My head. My head is the one responsible for nourishing me. Therefore, you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world. Remember those things we mentioned earlier? Why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle. Keep going. All these things concern things which perish with the using. Why is God interested in your haircut when it's flimsy and finite and passing away? That's what Paul is saying. Why is God interested in your earring and your ear when it is not this body you used to go into the day of the Lord? Oh, by all means, glorify God with your body, but he's going to regenerate this body. He will. And every impurity, both the ones that you did in your... How do you deal with people that have to put a tattoo of their ex? And they cannot go off. You have a tattoo that shows that you were antichrist. In the manner of speaking. And a tattoo that even angels will be embarrassed to see. And you, and you did this before you were born again. And now you're born again, but you're confronted with this tattoo. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? It means that you can look forward to the salvation of your body. It's not judgment. It's not condemnation. It's hope. It's hope. It's hope that that the day is coming. These things are flimsy things. Stay, stay there. Let me finish. I'm perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. See why we don't take all these people seriously? God said, if you don't, you will not enter. God can keep it. Doctrines of men. Paradoxes of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. This, this, this sometimes sounds reasonable. Philosophia. In self-imposed religion, he repeats again, false humility and neglect or depravity of the body. Mm -hmm. Depraving of the body. But are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They don't help. Because once you walk away from your completion in Christ, you're in trouble. Nothing you try will work. You want to get rid of masturbation? You can't get rid of it. That's the, that's the breaking news. <laughs> it's not a spirit you bind. It's not an attitude you cast out. You should have seen at least one example in scripture. Alcoholism cannot be stopped by stopping it. You can't stop smoking by stopping smoking. You smoke tomorrow. Basically, your effort will amount to nothing. Because even in the law, there's no space. And in grace, unfortunately, there's no space. So how do you get rid of what you don't want? Acknowledge that he who completes you, the moment he completed you, took away what he knows you don't need. 
That's deliverance. If Christ completed me, at the point he was completing me, he knew I needed a regeneration from masturbation. And if Christ completes me, then it means in this entire mix, you can't find masturbation there, one. And even if I wanted to add it, there's no space for me to add it. So, how come I have it? No, I don't have it. And then, you don't have it. Which prayer did the prodigal son's father pray for him? Which prayer did the prodigal son pray? To repent. What fasting did he fast? He just came to his senses. Wait! No, no, I'm better than this. I'm better than this. Even servants in my father's house are better than this nonsense. I'm going home. That was the end. So how do you break negative cycles and addictions? Come to your senses. And understand that there's no supplement that can fix it. No supplement can fix it. You are complete in Christ. Which means what you are dealing with now is what you don't even have. You don't have it. The Heavenly Father doesn't see you are struggling with pornography. But your Father doesn't see you are struggling with pornography. Because this is how He sees you. Complete in Christ. Did He load pornography into Christ? Is, are you filled with the fullness of Christ? Can the fullness of Christ include any contaminant? So are you struggling with pornography? Therefore, you are not from today. No, it's not, it's not lift up your hands, let me pray for you. Because you still you will pray for you again next week, next year, over the same addiction. But once you see that you are complete in Christ, and in Christ there's no anger, in Christ there's no fornication, in Christ there's no adultery, in Christ there's no immorality, in Christ there's no anger, in Christ there's no dissension, there's no strife. There's no bitterness. There is, there is no malice. There's no selfishness. There's no schismas. There's no heresies. There's none of that in Christ. There's no depression. There's no high blood pressure. So it's a coming to. It's a consciousness. Determine it. Walk in it. Once you realize that I, I can't be taking upon myself what Jesus took. I can't be permitting and explaining what Jesus didn't preload me with. I'm complete. And with all the conviction in your heart and the loudness of your voice only because you need to hear. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. And not always the hearing that another man gives. Because sometimes your heart needs to hear your mouth say what you believe. So with all conviction and all persuasion you will lift up your voice for the confession of completion. Are you ready? Can we just say one to go? Because I'm in Christ, I am a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are made new. Nothing escaped my regeneration. <laughs> the slate is wiped clean. As a result, I was reloaded. And filled with the fullness of God in Christ, who himself is the fullness of God. 
Therefore, I am complete in him. He left nothing undone. No space for anything to fill. Not heresies, philosophies, empty deceit, delusions, traditions of men, and basic principles of this world. I take my stand and shall not bow to or be swayed by the false humilities of men and the worship of angels. Every capacity of my life, both here in the flesh and the life which is to come, is totally taken up by what God in Christ has done in me for his name's sake. Because he made me whole, I lack nothing and need no supplements or additives. Christ is my head and as I am joined to him, he supplied and supplies all I need. He leaves me knocking nothing. Missing nothing. Chasing after nothing. I am well hedged. I am sealed. I am preserved. All because I am delivered. I am the ransomed of the Lord. But with a huge price. The salvation I have received. The salvation I am receiving. The salvation I will receive. Is full. Is complete. Is accomplished. The end. The goal. The purpose. The intention of God for me is already fulfilled in Christ. One to go, everybody shout, I am completing it. Again, I am for the last time. Give the Lord a shout. Pray in the Holy Ghost for 30 seconds with that fire in your inside, that excitement that you are complete. There's no room for supplements. There's no room for additions. There's no room for colorations. I am complete in Him. Come on, pray your reality. Pray your reality. I am complete. In Elimini kusipala bene kadaba hai, ena matoso peli 
Release it, release it, release it. Release it. I am complete in Christ. Now go ahead and add a rejoicing and thanksgiving in the Holy Ghost. Rejoice 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 in the Holy Ghost. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Give him the shout of completion. The shout of the dance and the shout and the rejoicing and the jumping and the leaping. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. So therefore I declare that whatever limited you before now has lost its hold. On the strength and the authority of God's word, whatever restrained you before now has lost its hold. Whoever, 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 wherever, however limited you the regime is up. In the name of Jesus, we enforce the completion we have in Christ Jesus that leaves no room for anything else to feel. We enforce it upon our lives. Now, we enforce it upon our relationships, upon our marriages, upon our jobs, upon our businesses, upon our health, upon our vocation upon our academic pursuit, upon our spiritual maturity, every benefit of completion begins to manifest now, begins to manifest now in the name of Jesus. We declare by faith and therefore receive of a new wave of refreshing, a new wave of refreshing and energizing of our bodies and our spirit man and the works of our hands to align with our reality our sons of God who are completing him every siege is broken every siege is broken every siege is broken we are well hedged we are sealed we are beyond the purview of principalities and powers ancestral wickedness cannot thrive here They are disarmed by the knowledge we're coming to that the strength of sin is broken. We are complete in Christ. He's left us lacking nothing or else he would not have left us. He would not have left us except he was leaving us lacking nothing. He would not have left us if we were deficient in one area. He left us lacking nothing. So we walk in the earth lacking nothing our days of disadvantage and misfortune are over our days of disadvantage and misfortune are over no 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 what they thought could kill you can't kill you 
or they thought could slow you down can't slow you down. So I declare on the strength of God's word, go out this week and take what's yours. Let there be a wave of bountiful praise reports are plenty. Are plenty. Plenty. Are plenty. We thank you because it is done. And all eyes will see it together. Come on, give him praise if you believe that in here tonight. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.